Good evening, everyone. Welcome to your D1T and 5 for the evening of Thursday, March 11th, 2021. I'm Connor Newcomb, and let's get right into the biggest stories. New Arkansas State AD Tom Bowen will make $350,000 to lead the Red Wolves with an annual $15,000 in deferred compensation. If Bowen were to exit Jonesboro, it looks like liquidated damages for both parties are symmetrical and range from $750,000 to $0. Bowen can also earn up to another $50,000 per the discretion of the Chancellor and measured off financial management, fundraising success, compliance, academic success, athletic success, and public relations. Toward the end of the agreement, quote, as Vice Chancellor of Intercollegiate Athletics, you are responsible for the actions of all coaches and administrators who report directly or indirectly to you. Bowen at his intro presser earlier today said, quote, when I got involved, the first call I got was from Terry Mahajer when he was going to Central Florida. And he said, quote, you got to come look at this. This is great. You'll love it here. Now, understand, Terry and I are very close personal colleagues and very close personal friends. I've been on this campus many times, and I've seen the unbelievable trajectory and change that has taken place under Terry. I am honored to follow him. The San Jose Mercury News' John Wilner suggests three candidates from the Pac-12 who could potentially succeed outgoing Duke AD Kevin White, Cal AD Jim Knowlton, Oregon AD Rob Mullins, and Stanford AD Bernard Muir. Wilner clarifies, quote, our mention of Knowlton and Mullins barely rises to the level of speculation at this point, and transparency alert should be taken as nothing more than that. We're simply attempting to cover our bases across the Pac-12 landscape. That's not the case with Muir, whose status as a potential candidate in Durham should, in our opinion, be taken quite seriously. Wilner notes that Muir worked for White at Notre Dame, has experience as an AD at an elite academic institution, and his, quote, basketball background fits with Duke's priorities. Meanwhile, Muir's marquee coaching hire at Stanford, Jared Hase, has underwhelmed through five seasons, and the athletic department is eliminating 11 sports programs. Beyond that, Muir's daughter has committed to play volleyball at Duke. The Duke men's basketball student-athlete who tested positive for COVID-19 was a walk-on per stadium's Jeff Goodman, who notes the Blue Devils are preparing for their season to be over, quote, understanding it is highly unlikely they will receive an NCAA tournament bid. The Duke Chronicle reports the, quote, newly formed Durham IFC held in-person recruitment events that contributed to a spike in COVID-19 cases. And CBS's Seth Davis adds, quote, and the football team had positives too. Many of those players were staying at the same hotel. What a mess. Louisville has released a statement indicating that all Tier 1 personnel have tested negative following last night's loss to Duke. Quote, We are confident through the ACC's use of Nexon digital proximity technology that we will not experience any contact tracing that will affect our team. Our group is tested daily and on a path to have the requisite consecutive days of negative tests to be able to compete in the NCAA tournament. NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball Dan Gavitt explains why the NCAA isn't requiring Tier 1 personnel to wear Connexon safe tags at any time beyond practices, games, and traveling to and from practices and games. Gavitt said, quote, The selection committee and staff didn't think it was appropriate to be monitoring young men and women 24 hours a day. They're responsible adults that can make decisions on their own. You always look at what the unintended consequences are of a decision. The criticism that could come, the discomfort from student-athletes of being essentially monitored 24 hours a day when they're in a hotel room by themselves, studying or sleeping or resting, was not something the committee or staff were comfortable with. 
WCC Commissioner Gloria Navarez weighs in further on NIL legislation, calling on lawmakers, quote, to take care and make sure that new policies do not undermine the gains female athletes have made under Title IX. I urge Congress to reject misguided proposals that would upend the collegiate model that provides opportunity to 80,000 female athletes per year in sports that cost more than the revenue they generate. Navarez notes that, quote, one legislative proposal suggests forcing universities to pay salaries to football and men's basketball players using 50% of the money their sports generate. That idea would upend our revenue-sharing model and be disastrous for women's sports. Louisville softball student-athlete Celine Funk pens an op-ed for Sports Illustrated, in which she urges Congress to consider Olympic sports student-athletes when deciding NIL legislation. To start, she notes that Twitter first launched when she was eight years old, while Instagram followed along four years later. Therefore, quote, building a brand on social media is second nature to my generation, and as a student-athlete, I think I have a right to monetize that brand. William & Mary has permanently reinstated men's track and field swimming and gymnastics, thanks in large part to a significant increase in donors and donations. Specifically, interim AD Jeremy Martin says the number of donors increased 13%, while expendable donations are up 79%. That's your D1T and 5 for the evening of Thursday, March 11th. I'm Connor Newcomb, reminding you to join us back here tomorrow morning.